Mike has abandoned this pod and he's just built a marketing campaign in his head for like five different uses for fake underwear. Conferences Uh, suck. Game conferences specifically suck. I just, I'm. You're in the wrong industry then, brother. I know. I well, yeah, hundred percent agreed for a million reasons. But uh, <laughs> like, it's not you're in the wrong industry. You just got old. Like no, I, conferences yeah. just don't age well, man. So here's what I did this year. I got absolutely a like my body just wanted to kill me after Dice this year, which is a really good show to go to. So I told myself for GDC that like after dinner, no drinks, and in bed by eleven every night. And it was magical, and uh, I made them uh, useful again. So trade shows are okay. It not being hungover doesn't inherently make it useful, but yeah, I can see I can see how that could help. This makes Definitely for shorter days. Yeah, not a lot of bullshit. I'm just like t- so tired by like day two of GDC. Oh man, I'm like yeah, it's gnarly. <sighs> okay, hey guys, how's it going? It's good to see you. Yeah, um, been a minute. We made it. It's been a while. I blame Dan and his busy, busy, busy schedule. Um, I also blame Dan and his busy schedule for <laughs> what it's worth. Yeah. It's okay, though, because today we have a special guest that's going to make it all worth it. Um, welcome, Jordan Arnold, Light Fox Games. Say hello, Jordan. Hello, everybody. Hi. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, and uh, why don't you give us a little background on Light Fox Games? So I did, uh, I did do my own research. I've, I've played your games. <laughs> I also play your unreleased. And you games, have a hoodie. You know? I do. Uh, so That's yeah, true. you have uh, you're you're all the way in. Yeah. So I'm Jordan, uh, co-founder, COO of Light Fox Games, mobile game studio out of Seattle. Uh, and Knight's Edge is the the game that we have out right now. It's a three v three mixed PVE PVP game, uh, loosely inspired by uh, uh, by Gambit, Dan. So uh, I don't know if you've played it, but you could take a look. It's a, it's a mobile, much more casual uh, version of Gambit uh, with a couple other twists. Uh, but yeah, uh, and maybe got some other cool stuff in the works too. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for being here. We're going to have some conversation around indie games specifically today. This is a very business-focused podcast, hence why we started off talking about business like uh, GDC and DICE and all very games industry business business. Uh, (laughs) But before we get into that, one of the the hot topics, I don't know if you all have heard of uh, artificial intelligence and what's been happening there, but there's this whole thing. Dan, so I know you've been really busy and you have no idea. So artificial intelligence is this thing that's come out over the last year or so. It didn't exist before that. Um, (laughs) And it's- Yeah, it hasn't been in development for 15 years or anything. No, no, no. Do you remember Smarter Child, Dan? Let's start there. Smarter Child is oh my uh, god, yes. truly where AI <laughs> had a tip. They point. took. Uh, remember, I think it's Bonzi Buddy, right? Bonzi mm-hmm. Buddy just got smarter and smarter over time on the little little monkey swinging around on your desktop. Remember that from? Uh, I do. Back I do. He I, just turned into Chat GPT, so he is now sentient and tells everyone what to do. I mean, that's but, a better explanation than others I've heard. <laughs> so, like, I'm I'm not opposed to that. Like, this is just a natural evolution of Clippy. Yeah, I was waiting for the clip. Yeah, Clippy <laughs> was the original. <laughs> so we we're actually using it a lot at, at my I like playing with it and experimenting. Yeah. But have have you guys been like seriously considering? And and Jordan, you're in development with the new game right now too. So it'd be interesting to hear if you've brought that into the the conversation. Yeah, I, I so. Yes. The short answer is yes. Like seriously considering is hard to say other than we believe 
that is going to be a major disruptor in the gaming space. And so we are putting a lot of muscle into understanding where what that might look like. Like, is this a like, oh, we all need to jump on to it today and let us start generating all of the art in the game now? No, it's nothing like that. But it is the... Every once in a while, a tool comes along that is going to change the landscape of game development. And I think this has the high potential, if not likelihood, to be one of them. So I'd say we're probably more focused on the like the mid-journey-esque like art generation side of things, um, just to see sort of where that leads and where that goes, especially in, in a company that does service and free-to-play games. Uh, but we did have to send an email out recently that people need to stop using uh, ChatGPT to write their uh, annual, like, you know, people development reports their 360s <laughs> and whatnot. That is the best possible solution for ChatGPT. Uh, yeah. like and and, and, and not because they didn't want people to do it, but you have to stop putting in information because it just goes out into the into the collective. So you either, can't say yeah. like this person worked on this internal code name thing that's not public yet. Don't do don't do that. And don't put people's names uh, in there. But yeah, that that is uh, apparently there was heavy chat GPT uh, um, uh, reviews being written. So <laughs> I think there's a lot of opportunity. I think, you know, people saying that this is going to be the doomsday of artists and everything's going to go to AI is a little crazy. Um, you know, from my side on the business side, it's great. Like I can imagine the day where I come in in the morning and 90% of the emails that I need to send out are already written for me. I just have to hit confirm and, you know, the other 10% are 95% done and need a couple extra pieces. And the, you just have to make some confirmations and you get stuff sent out. Like my, my goal is to become 10 times more efficient myself, right. On the business side, it's incredibly fast at helping with financials, forecasting, modeling, thinking through like genres and, you know, modeling out what could potentially happen in the future Less so, you know, there's still a huge human factor there, right? And this is still an incredibly creative industry. I think the creativity roles, right? The the designer roles, the art roles, I think they can also be 10Xer style roles as well. But it doesn't mean that people go by the wayside. There's still a significant amount of input that has to come from humans. And, you know, if 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 we all just allowed AI to make AI art forever, it feels like it just would continue to compound on itself. And all of a sudden all the art's the same, right? And every game looks the same and every game plays the same because the design's the same. And we're um, kind of doing that anyway, though. <laughs> like, that's kind of like where humans are ending up. That's just Hollywood, isn't it? Uh, like yeah. a derivative of a derivative of a derivative. Uh, yeah. And we're using it too. Um, it, feels like art is the furthest off from being useful. I've looked at a lot of tools that are like game development specific, trying to generate assets and those everything created requires a lot of cleanup to actually make it anything useful. And then you just do it yourself in the first place. The spot where we have seen real value is engineers uh, having it for code complete. And like uh, we were working on an analytics story and uh, the plugin into uh, VS code is like auto completing all the different analytics events that, yep, we need that. Yep. We need that. Yep. We need that. Just saving keystrokes. So that's like a really good use case. We've also used it for like marketing brainstorming and, uh, and just ideation around different, different things. You throw a bunch of uh, creative ideas on like a TikTok or a social thing, like an ad and say, give me some riffs on this. And like, 80% of them are, yeah, that's good. If someone said, hey, here's my idea, you should make that, I'd be like, yeah, great, uh, good stuff. So those, this, that's the spots where we're investing. I yeah, think the I gotta, storyboarding is is really good. 
are, you know, especially on the marketing side, I would say that the where it's really helpful on the cons on the art side is concept, yeah. not necessarily in-game yeah. content, but like let's get to a concept quickly, right? Um, I think that's been super helpful. Uh, bottom line, in a different studio that is doing work for hire uses it heavily for pitches for for creating pitch documents rather than leveraging like an army of concept artists you just like we want something that kind of looks like these five inputs and you just keep tweaking it until it's like yeah that's directionally what we're looking for and it saves a mess of time totally we- uh, Mike, Mike and I have a friend in who's in the uh, the film business who said that he's using it for pitch decks yep. and that it that it's blowing people out of their uh, out of their seats because they think that you spent a ton of money on an art team on retainer, but he's able to do it solo. So that's a bummer if you're an artist who uh, makes your living on concept work for movie studios, but it does allow for a, a small project to kind of get off the ground. And that same, t- we also talked about somebody that had uh, artists for, on their concept team quit because they were using AI art and got like pissed off about it and mm-hmm. left, which I, I get that too, but it's, Interesting to like the, the game dev analog for me to what we're seeing with this is like early 2007's outsourcing, you know, like like Jordan said before, it's like, you know, it produces to produce in-game assets, but they're a mess and you have to clean them all up yourself. That was literally the same thing as early outsourcing, which was it didn't come in either. The inputs weren't good, so you didn't get it to spec or the spec was bad. So you didn't get it to spec or what have you. And I think like this is what that is sort of evolving towards, which is what is the type of creation that we try to do as cheaply as possible anyway and can that be even cheaper if it's not a human being right like i mean which sounds terrible but like we had a bunch of people who were bent about that in the early days that quit and like wanted to go do other things most of which are back in the field working with outsourcers because it's just a modification of the same skill skill set you still need to be able to understand how to direct right yeah just directing a, a code language instead of a person I think that's the exact analog that we should be thinking about this. That's the first place that AI art and AI is going to really hit is outsourcing, right? This is going to 10x the virtuos people and everyone else out there in the market that can now take on, you know, five, six, seven X the work and, you know, generate significantly more content for the same amount of people. So I think outsourcing is the first place you're really going to see mass adoption of ai yeah if i'm if i'm virtual specifically like i am putting a lot of money into seeing like what i can do to leverage my workforce with this right like i mean how many times have we hired a company like a virtuous or a um you know a different outsourcer to make 17 variations on a tree that we've created to to populate the forest like don't do that like put in a couple of inputs generate 700 versions pick your favorite 17 if you want to what have you so props a lot of environmental effects, ambience, things like that. Like, I think there's high utility for for AI in those fields. I think where it's going to take forever is in true like aesthetic art direction. Um, you know, setting the stage, like the, the like the concept that is trying to set the overall theme and aesthetic and direction and the rules. I think is you may have that you may have AI be able to generate a better pitch from that direction, but not the direction. At least not yet. Okay, so tr- trying to get to the next part here i know we could talk about uh game dev ai stuff for ages and uh what i'm taking away from the conversation is everybody's jobs are in jeopardy and um you should be terribly afraid Uh, not mine not mine even ai doesn't (laughs) want to do financial planning so yeah it's fine Uh, yet player facing side what does it look like for players now if we were to say like is there ways to incorporate ai into actual gameplay i think the coolest one i've seen so far is npc dialogue 
Oh, interesting. Totally. That was, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. That was what I was going to say. There's like an MMO that's doing it, right? That's yeah. having all their NPC stuff fed in through. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, imagine the conversations that can be had. And, and really, the analog to that right now is actually what Snapchat's doing. Inside of Snapchat, oh. you have a, your, your AI assistant now. And uh, I don't remember who I was talking to, but someone had mentioned that, like, in high school, this thing is just wildfire. And it's like everyone's best friend is their Snapchat AI. And people are saying that it's like it's becoming a resource for mental health crisis. It's becoming a counselor. It's becoming a, a shoulder to lean on. It's it's literally becoming like a way to, you know, ask questions that you don't feel comfortable asking your friends about, which is actually kind of wild. That's terrifying. <laughs> is it? Second well, what about <laughs> what about on the balancing side though couldn't you like get to the point where ai gets really good at figuring out exactly where a player's like limits are so i did use it for a calculator <laughs> at least for uh for um uh tuning an economy i basically told gave chat gpt 3.5 my inputs and i was like all right, I want to drop this type of stuff in this amount, whatever, and iterate it up for about 30 minutes. And it built a calculator that I could run locally on my computer that I would have in previous lives bugged an engineer for weeks to do my little pet project and they would have begrudgingly done it. And ChatGPT was way nicer to me uh, with all of my follow-up <laughs> requests, which an engineer would not have been. Uh, so that was a useful tool for the the balance on the front end. And we are actively looking for tools where we can just like feed in a bunch of live player data and have it give us insights or tuning or learnings to that effect uh for for live games yeah no that's that's really interesting it takes me down two paths right like one i think mike was alluding to procedural difficulty and i could i could definitely see a game being built around like a roguelike kind of action roguelike where you're building yeah. it around like mm -hmm. procedural difficulty and even procedural like generation of the the so instead of it being true random there's more of like a tailored path based upon your I think it changes the way that players select difficulty too. It's not just small, you know, easy, medium, hard. There's like sliders of like, I want this kind of challenge or what have you. You can get really interesting with it. But the other one is, and this is probably a muscle I've, I've let atrophy as I moved out of mobile free to play, but there's definitely an economy, like procedural tuning. Like the good version is like, you know, anti-churn algorithms or things like that, where it's just way better at detecting when a player is going to churn or, and then the other one is, of course, like a recommendation engine where it's like way better at determining, oh, this is the time to produce this ad with this discount that is tailored to this human being who plays this way and has these kind of patterns. Um, so it's a machine learning plus AI type of paradigm. So, That's going to happen. That's, somebody's going to build that. That's going to happen. Trevor's building it right now. I'm like, waiting for the rally like, here. Pick. As we're oh, talking. I, <laughs> well, So here's the irony of, of games and balance, right? And I'm sure most of you know this. Uh, but in a PVP game, you know, your goal is always like, we have to have people that are close in the same skill set. We want the game to be close. We want it not to be a blowout one direction or the other. Right. And what Smite did years ago in, in some of the earlier seasons was they balanced the game so incredibly precisely that each match felt like a, just a slog. It was boring. There was no kills. No one was dying. They took 35 minutes and the games just weren't fun. And it wasn't creating discourse in the community, which was not was creating like lack of discussion on Reddit. Right. And what we what we started to realize is that there is actually a level of two tuned that makes the game yep. just not really that fun to play like that, that bringing out that overpowered new character and having the community talk about whether it's overpowered or underpowered or the 
this this community sentiment towards whether a player is overpowered or character is overpowered or underpowered versus the actual analytic data can be divergent. There's actually times in which we've detuned characters or overtuned characters, even though they're like the what the consumer was saying versus what the data was saying actually were contradictory. So actually having the ability to drive discourse in a community or just drive discussion in general can create a better economy of, of like equality for the players. So as much as I think it's interesting, there is also a level of just, we, we just want to have fun playing video games sometimes. Right. I think you got to build a new game paradigm around it, right? Like I think the flaw that you're going to see early on is trying to do what you're talking about, which is like, let's apply this to the game that we have, Mm -hmm. take the human element out and let's, let's make it perfect. And, Perfect is not actually what you're going for with any kind of entertainment. Like you're you're going for fun or you're going for deep or intimidating or what have you. Like I could see like come on the journey. I could see like a new uh, a new like kind of game mode or like a PvP a PvEVP kind of situation where the AI is controlling oh, the world boss and then everything else is is off of what what the players are doing in real time. Like think about <clears throat> if any of you've read or seen the the Hunger Games books or movies. Um, Imagine like the game being the Hunger Games, where the AI is just that game controller from up top who's watching things happen and is tailoring it for the entertainment of the people watching. And I think what you get from that is it's not just about the enjoyment of the players. You're getting a spectacle for things like Twitch and stuff like that. And you're using the imperfections of AI to fuel the, the, you know, the uncontrollable outcomes. I mean, Monolith kind of had this sort of system in the Nemesis system, right, for the Shadow of uh, Shadow Games the Lord of the Ring games where they kind of had like, if you went and fought a boss, they'd remember you. Right. Um, I think that is a incredibly interesting way to use and leverage AI, right. To, to remember what happens within a game and change the dynamics based on your activities and your actions. Totally different way to leverage it. Right. So somebody called DC, somebody called DC comics and we're now making doomsday the game. Uh, which is the unkillable monster that just remembers every encounter it's ever had. And so over the course of 10 years, like it just keeps adapting to everything the players throw at them. But it, yeah, yeah, but all players. all players. I think that's everywhere. Yeah, where it gets interesting. Yes. It's like not just the one player that it's remembering that's interactions right. with. It's like everybody else is kind of tuning this thing along the way. I think it should also remember each individual player, though. It's like, oh, you killed me with fire. So I'm now going to kill you with fire because I'm petty in this version of the AI. I like this. I yeah, like this a that's lot. Good. I would that's play good. this game. Okay. Green light. Uh, <laughs> so on that, because uh, games are hard, um, the games business is hard, there's been a lot of discussion about the macroeconomic environment around games, game pricing, new business models. What's working right now? I just saw that the top three installed mobile games for April were Subway Surfers, Roblox, and Candy Crush, all brand new games I've never heard of that look really interesting. <laughs> Can't wait to try them all. Um, I heard the Jonas Brothers are in one of them. Maybe all three of them, actually. Um, you got one brother for each of the games. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's just a good economy of scales, all that is. <laughs> so, Jordan, you're diving into this, obviously, yeah. with you know on the mobile side, probably uh, more so than the rest of the folks on here. What are you... Uh, like, what are you worried about or excited about 
right now. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because uh, being a mobile first studio, we're always just hamstrung with what Google and Apple will allow us to do. So we're from a business model perspective, kind of beholden to do you want subscriptions or do you want, you know, free to more traditional free to play economies? And thank you um, to Google and Apple for sponsoring our podcast. today. Thank you for sponsoring uh, this podcast, <laughs> uh, both Apple and Google. I will appreciate a, a better rev share on future titles. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's um uh, it's tough. You know, we're we're kind of staying with what we know because that's where a lot of our experience is, and we have a relatively small team working on games. And big business model innovation swings feels uh, tough. Uh, we are looking more at subscription than we ever have before, just because the the economic shift after a year, uh, at least on Apple, I think on Google as well. Yeah. Um. So that uh that's helpful, but um and then uh, uh we now we're doing more work on the ad side, uh, basically serving ads to generate revenue uh, for current games than we had in previous titles. And that market's up and down with how scan changes and all those uh, different market dynamics of how much money you can generate from those strategies. Uh, the the hyper casual heyday is over where you could build like entire business models solely on interstitial ads. Uh, not that we ever fully went down that path, but um, so that that's a spot where we're doing a little bit more investigation and research for uh, for games. That was just to be clear. I firmly believe that was never an actual working strategy. That was just like a Ponzi scheme, right? Like the <laughs> I mean, some like, of them made a lot of money. They got huge scale, and you throw an interstitial every forty five seconds, and this uh, ECPMs were high enough that you could actually like cash in, right? But there was uh, no and then value. You cycle at, people between games. <laughs> yeah, there was no value at the bottom of the chain. Like there was no revenue. At the, it was just ads to sell more ads to sell more ads. It's it just like, capitalism. It's all. Yeah, uh, it is. It's just capitalism, yeah. baby. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that some of it is the, the free to play games then filter out to some of the games that are paid and have higher spending players. And you basically filter out some of the players that are willing to uh, to open their wallets directly. Uh, but you get a lot of the scale on the on the hyper casual side. I mean, and mobile is really the only like it, it's interesting how divergent that is from desktop and the other platforms like you can't really do that in other places in any way shape yeah. or form so you, you can't no do it I mean, supported anywhere else yeah that's Web, a, maybe you, you can't do it for two reasons one it's mostly not supported like it's just not the wealth of tech to, to build it in but two the gamer profile of those groups like they don't stand for it right like it's i want it's, banner it, ads and yeah. smite on so, the bottom that are <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing is there are a few companies out there that are doing some double opt-in research around advertising in free-to-play games right on the console and pc there is there is a world so think about the this world right the world is uh there is a multi-billion dollar advertising market for tv people between the ages of 16 and 30 don't watch t like traditional tv anymore they're netflix and hulu they're cord cutters right so there is a significant amount of dollar advertisement out there in the large screen not mobile space but in the large screen like tv pc sized uh screens that's just sitting there untapped and there is a world in which you could think through double opt-in systems that are built with game design mechanics that allow you to get cool stuff and you're basically doing like equal trades of watch ads get hat right or watch ads get you know cool outfit and there is a world where you can design it 
via the game design and, and the ad design that you can watch really high quality TV led ads, right? Like we're, I'm talking like legitimate, like advertisements for trailers for movies and Old Spice commercials and KFC and, and Taco Bell, right? These are huge brands that have multi-billion dollar advertising budgets that are basically can only spend on ESPN, right? Or football and baseball and things like that. And even those demographics are aging out. And the only way to really attract and go after gamers between the ages of 16 and, and 30 really is through gaming. Um, they're just not watching sports. They're not watching traditional TV. And there, there's a world where these can collide, in my opinion, and be done correctly. It can't be you know, the stuff in mobile where it's like, watch this ad for this other game and then go download it. Like That sort of stuff doesn't work. But high premium, high quality theater-led ads could in theory work if the game design is done correctly. I have two notes on I have two notes on that that are very important that I have to throw out here. One, I think we should title this episode Watch Ad Get Hat, because that's gonna be stuck in my head for the rest of today. <laughs> that phrase. And two, like this might be anecdotal, but I was given to understand that ad tech and mobile only supported ads for homescapes. Like you could put anything you want in there. <laughs> Uh, I just want the, you know, like when you go to the theater and Nicole Kidman comes on screen and talks about <laughs> the movies. I want that with you, Dan, in the beginning of my like console game to just be like talking up how important premium games are. But I thank think you it, for playing this premium game. I think it's really important, though, that it's done with a game design hat on. Right. You can't you can't do the same tactics in mobile on consoles and PCs. You can't say oh, you're out of power, you need to watch an ad to play right. more, or oh, you're whatever, like you you want whatever, some sort of more stuff, you have to, you have to do it. The second Please you made it a verification a, can, kind the, of. The second you make it uh, a part of the experience to progress, I think you break the experience entirely. If it's a... So, a, to defend the mobile game implementation, <laughs> there are a lot of... So, our game, uh, uh, Knight's Edge, is uh, is uh, opt-in and secondary. It's not core flow. It's not, hey, you lost. Do you want to uh, watch an ad to keep going? It is uh, sometimes, hey, you won. Do you want bonus stuff exactly. by watching yeah. this ad? Um, so, I think that some of that implementation can work. The more aggressive, non-incent interstitials, I think, don't work on, on console yeah. unless you had a very specific game where that made sense. Um, but someone, if, do you know of anyone who's building that SDK? Cause that sounds smart. Uh, uh, a company, there's a couple of them uh, out there. Into yeah. That. Okay. Uh, you just need someone to hit scale on that, but that seems like a totally reasonable free to play console or possibly uh, PC method of monetization for sure. I think the trick is to, to Trevor's point is, is about wearing the game design hat, right? Like, cause if you have most of the premium AAA games, like service games out there are lead to in a pinnacle fashion or based around some kind of player versus player you know, crucible style, battle royale style combat. The incent, the problem with uh, like like double incentive ad tech on those kind of games is it does become essential. Like it becomes necessary. It's like if you want to be competitive, you have to watch the ad every time, which basically means it's golden path. And so, like for a PVE centric game, I think I think that can totally work. I think there's a model there with probably you know maybe different content being served, like to Trevor's point, more premium advertisements or like apparently me saying like welcome to nessus every time you change planets in the director in destiny or something but like i <laughs> i think when you're in a competitive game where that's the core of the game i think that gets trickier because anything that is optional becomes required to be at the highest echelons of competition 
as long as it doesn't affect gameplay, right? There are things like XP growth of your character just so your account goes from level 99 to 100 and really it makes no difference to gameplay because your matchmaking algorithms are based on how well you play the game. There could be a world in which you could say like, oh, do you want double XP for this? Because really giving away XP doesn't mean anything, but you're exactly right, Dan. Like the question be has to become, is it affecting gameplay or is it secondary, right? Is it is it complementary to the experience or is it required for the experience? And when it starts to become required for the experience, it's not really double opt-in. It's kind of like forced forced use. Yeah. And that's what we don't want. I think want. it does Yeah, I think it does depend on the the level of I mean, everyone has a different threshold of pay to win, right? And like what constitutes pay to win. Um, and in a situation like that, if all the things that you could get through ads are also earnable through play. So dumb example, uh, in uh, Destiny, you have a daily quest that you could either do, kill 10 things or and get a reward, or you could watch an ad and get the reward. Or if you sub to the battle pass, you can just collect the reward. Like you can either play, we, we value your time, that is value to us, or you watch an ad that gives us money, or you bought the battle pass that gives us money. All three of those players can get the thing. Uh, and there's only one of those things to get, and there's three different ways to get it. That kind of gives that from a design perspective. Everyone has a potential to get it. You also have to worry about from the ad perspective, like you don't always have inventory for everybody, depending on where they are in the world. You don't want someone who's not in a That's tier one market exactly not to, right. be able to get the reward. Yep. So, uh, so if you have a path to get the thing from all three lanes, that seems like that could pass the sift test. Uh, but tell me if you think I'm wrong. No, no, I buy that. Like, if it is, if you're, if if the the pinnacle acquisition is capped, right? Like, if there's no utility for getting all, all three of the thing, I guess. Like, if it is, like, it's a named weapon, whatever it is, right? Like, and like all three of them are exactly the same. Having three of them doesn't do anything from a gotcha fusion standpoint or anything. Then you're just deciding. Like I, my joke is always, it's like the people grind hundreds and hundreds of hours in games like Destiny, and it's like, uh, like I'm, I'm older. I have a kid. I have money. I don't have time. So like, I will, I will pay to not have to run the same strike seven times, right? Like, like, but like, as long as that doesn't give me a net advantage over the person who does all the grind and pays, right? Like, that's where it becomes problematic. So I think your scenario, Jordan. Passes the sniff test for so me. Totally. Capitalism, my, baby. It's capitalism. It's capitalism. In my Destiny clan, I get made fun of constantly for saying, I don't have enough time. Just let me spend money and like let me catch up. Yep. And they all think that I'm the biggest like pay-to-win loser. And they make fun of me all the time. I was like, no, I'll give I'll spend the 10 bucks. I'll spend the 15 bucks. Give me like 10 bucks a month dim in there. Just make it easy for me. Yep. I uh I I want uh I want totally. all that. and uh some some of the gamers aren't into it, but man, I don't I don't have the time, but I like playing with my friends. Yeah, and as long as you end up so, in the yeah. same place, I think yeah, it passes the snow totally. test. Yeah. Right? Like, you will yeah. still get made fun of. I can't I can't fix that. <laughs> in the world Yeah, of- can you patch that in <laughs> in the next update where I don't get made fun of in Destiny? Uh, in the world maybe, of free to play. In the world of free to play, really, this is this is actually crucial, right? Because a player that doesn't spend money and is is giving you their time is very valuable, right? They're filling queues. They're making sure that MMR and matchmaking is good. They're there for the experience. They might be spending extra time playing your game. They might spend more time watching Twitch or YouTube, right? There's a a reason why every player has hyper value, especially in a free-to-play live service experience. And to give them the opportunity, regardless of whether you give us a dollar, you watch an ad for a dollar, or you grind for enough hours that we determine that's a dollar, it's a dollar, right? To the game design or to the game team. And 
that's yep. how we have to think about every player is there's there's a way to extract value whether it's through time or money or some other uh method right yep and just to be clear, I've never played Destiny. It is a match three, or is it an endless runner? Because I'm not. <laughs> it's like a subway well, surfer. Follow. See, the thing you'll see on, okay. on social with Destiny is uh, it Destiny's like um, kind of everything for everyone. There's a bunch of different modes, so the endless runner can end in a match three at times, <laughs> um, but only once you reach the pinnacle tiers. I I so, just look yeah. forward to buying Hearts and Tears of the Kingdom tonight when I play, because um, I don't have the time to grind in that game, but I'm going to buy my way through it. I will say I will say our PTO count was much higher today than the regular average. Yeah, 100%. A little bit. Some people board. admitted it. Yeah. Some people are like, um, starting the weekend on Hyrule. Yeah. Just say the words. I've been playing it like, this whole time. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention to anything any of you are saying. Um, <laughs> that tracks. <laughs> So on this note of like, uh, do you just have a do you just have like a little post-it note that says every three minutes say capitalism baby, and <laughs> <laughs> capitalism baby, that's gonna be my new catchphrase. That's that, good. That's uh, also a candidate for the name of this episode. That'll watch watch ad get hat capitalism <laughs> um, sold. I mean, subscription gaming. You mentioned you're doing subscriptions. Uh, obviously, free to play game Jordan and then Trevor. You have a lot of experience with subscriptions and. There's also these subscription platforms now that are kind of where the middle class of game development has landed. Um, is is it good? <laughs> is it is it terrible? Is it okay? Uh, I don't know. I, I have lots of I have lots of mixed opinions across sub game subscriptions and especially in kind of that double A space, right? Uh, I know that in the beginning of things like Xbox Game Pass and PlayStation Plus subscriptions, things like that, that has catapulted some pretty incredible games and brought teams from indie dependent and like small single A studios into the big leagues, right? Rocket League is a great example of that, you know, leveraging PlayStation Plus to become an incredibly well-rounded and uh, successful live service ops game. Um, there's a lot of great games that came through Xbox Game Pass that wouldn't have had the same visibility if they didn't have it. Now, that was great in the beginning when they were launching one game a week or two games a week and you could get visibility and, and the trade-off was right funnel metrics. It's how many eyeballs can I get on my, on my title? Uh, where it starts to fall apart is when you're launching 20 plus games a week into a program and you're again lost in the ether of new games being launched. It's the same as launching a game on Steam or launching a game on Epic Game Store or Xbox or PlayStation. There's a it, there's a how do we get visibility question that's always hard to answer. The, for the last few years, it's been be in the subscription. Now I'm not so sure. And what I have heard from other independent developers is that their first or second game went to Game Pass or to other services, and they felt like value-wise that that was a good move for them. But then the next game, now they have to make the next game to a specific dollar value level, right? Oh, this game can't cost more than $5 million, or this game can't cost more than $4 million mm -hmm. because I can only get so much, and I want my profit margin to be X. That's... That's not creatively allowing people to build video games. That's building I mean, you, them into a business box. You basically just described the 2010 to now evolution of the mobile app store, right? Like, I mean, it was very similar, right? It was how do you get how do you get eyeballs on it? It was featuring for a while, and then it was different forms of ad tracking. And Jordan can speak to this a lot more intelligently than I can. But like from a business perspective, it changes that and free to play change the way you develop. 
Um, so the platform subscription stuff is interesting, like PlayStation Plus, Game Pass. I think they're great player experiences. And I think in success, they're disruptive enough to open up different types of gaming to the market. Now, I say that uh, so much that like we've heard that for things like Apple Arcade, which this will bring premium games back to the phone. And uh, I know I'm jumping ahead. I apologize. I'll pull this out. But like you can argue that that hasn't worked. So my, my fear with... How uh, dare you, sir? How dare you? My fear with uh, how these platforms can progress is that you create like a caste system of games, which is you have the middle class and nothing else in the in the streaming service which i think is a which i think is an underutilization of that service um versus these other games that are going for higher ceiling revenues and the game well, and the game subscription services will never be able to provide that to them that's really interesting too right because there's such a difference in subscription models and requirements uh if you were to launch a successful game on game pass and you didn't have post-sale monetization and live support there's no other way to make money right it, it's a little bit different on Apple Arcade. You're not allowed to monetize them post-launch, right? I, I believe you're just, you can launch into the game, maybe launch some updates and give some content, but you get what you get and the players get what they get, right? They get to unlock what they unlock and that's the way that the game's played, which is a great experience if that's the direction you want to build in. Now, what gets really weird is there's still a lot of unwritten rules, right? Where some games can go in game pass and others cannot right and they're just arbitrarily given um so it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting that you know and i'm, not, I'm never going to cast stones and say who's who can make it and who, <laughs> who cannot but you know there is there is worlds in which you know there's a very small group of people making the decisions on which games go to subscriptions and it's maybe it's not as uh open wide open from a funnel perspective of players getting to experience lots of different types of games but if you're a premium game right now and you you ship with the uh you ship standalone 30 40 dollars whatever and you have the intention of coming to one of these platforms eventually is that which seems to be like almost an inevitability right now if you are in that in that camp is that generally just bad for the overall economy of premium double a games uh, training users that eventually it's going to come to one of these services. If the question of your consumer is, can I get this game free at some point? They're never going to buy it. There's probably some, ex- like Tears of the Kingdom, an exception, right? Like if eventually you knew that game was coming to some... In 10 years, maybe. Server. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even if you did, like <laughs> yeah. a game like a, a game like Tears of the Kingdom, like it doesn't matter, right? These are the same folks who... I remember there, a friend of mine who would... Uh, didn't have cable and didn't want to pay for any like streaming service with sports. So they would watch, they would watch football game, NFL games the week after. And they would just like try to avoid any knowledge for an entire week. Right. Like, and like that person exists, um, but yeah. it's not common. And so like, like, so something like, hear, t- oh, go ahead. I hear a lot of friends that say, Oh, that's a EA game. I'll wait for it to be on their game pass. Or like there, there is a pipeline where yep. that's built into their mindset. If that was gone, if there was a, a game that came out and said, Hey, this is $40 and we guarantee that it'll be $40 for the next three years. I bet that that would impact sales because yeah. gamers are min maxing and they're like, how can I optimize this? How can I win? And sometimes yep. winning is waiting two months and playing for free. Well, and then, um, and then the top end games though, you're still going to have that zeitgeist play, right? Like there's a yeah. bunch of people who, t- why do 
did people take off today to play Tears of the Kingdom? Is it because they were excited about it? It's, no, it's because everyone else took off today to play Tears of the Kingdom. You don't want to be left behind in that conversation, right? Like that's that's that was that was the entirety of the success of Game of Thrones. You couldn't not be watching it. No spoilers on Twitter, right? You just gotta mm-hmm. like log off of the world when uh, when a new episode drops. Exactly, and so I th- I think that sort of upper echelon will always exist. Um, as far as and then and there's no incentive for that game to be on a, a subscription service right away. Like if, if if it was a Nintendo game, would you put you know Tears of the Kingdom on three years from now? Yeah, maybe when you're trying to get long tail revenue for an older game. But like, there's no incentive for really any first party Nintendo game to go on the subscription unless it's Nintendo's subscription. Obviously, there's such a. I think it's be- go. Go, Mike. I was just gonna make a comment about how much I love that they're kind of bookending the uh, the Switch with with Zelda. It's so perfect. Such a nice swan song for that platform. I think there's a really interesting world, right, where premium, let, let's just call them one-time playthrough experiences. Like, you now have multiple ways to make a decision on that purchase, right? I can go watch Twitch, and I can watch someone probably play some of these games like Hogwarts Legacy or, or things like that from start to finish. I could probably go watch... Zelda right now, I bet you there's a 200, 300, 400 streamers with good concurrency playing that game. And I could probably get 90% of the content just from viewing it, right? Uh, that is happening these days. YouTube is the same way, right? So a consumer can make a lot of decisions on whether they do or don't want to make an acquisition based on being able to try it for free, which is the mentality of a free-to-play game, right? And the the the, the process is you have to get to the, them to the point in which they want to make a purchasing acquisition, which is probably going to extend the time in which they spend time with your game. It's the same thing. It's just a matter of the medium in which you try before you buy. I think that's a nice, nice way to wrap up that, that part of the conversation, honestly. <laughs> I like it. I'm trying to give like Dan it. more like uh, little quips for the day. Uh, also, he's, trying, like, to, he's it, trying to name the episode five times is what's happening here. And I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, to be if the, I'm being fully honest. The pain is we're all in agreement. We really need to bring some like corporate shills that are different corporate shills than us in here that can really just go the other direction hard on stuff and and really push your buttons. I thought Jordan was going to play the, that that card today and and just go hard against Dan. But it was pretty friendly overall. <laughs> pretty agreeable guy we jordan and i have discovered that we agree more often than not or and and that was i think a little bit of a surprise late in our our working relationship you also so. use <laughs> the same you use the same wordle strategy every single we, day that's uh, that's because it's the best one you optimize min maxing that's right it brings it back to how do i win the best whether it's waiting for game pass or using least as my starting wordle word uh that is how um, you un- until good. least is the word of the day and then we have to find and something you else gotta move on yep. i use slate until slate got burned that's, that's the same uh, the same and now it's least yeah, slate Wait, yeah there you go why would that matter that's you're not doing because they don't to, repeat words yeah but you're not doing it to get the word on one you're, you're doing, chasing the high you're not doing it getting... to get the word in one <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate wow. victory is one, and then it, it degrades from that point. Like just getting it yeah. without failing isn't the goal. Like between the two of us, we failed like three times in like nine hundred games or something, right? Like it's 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 not just winning; it's by how much are you winning. Like yeah. it does matter if you win by two or twenty. Let's be clear about this. I hate that game so much, <laughs> and I'm so playing, and I hate it so much. So dumb. 
All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, Jordan. It's been a pleasure. I love talking about me. business, 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 and capitalism. Thank you, Trevor and Dan, as always. Um, please like and subscribe this podcast. That was English. <laughs> please like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and tell all your friends about it and how smart we are and how we have the best business advice for gaming. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody.